In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. And it was Monday, which meant we reflected on the Premier League weekend, game by game, with Danny Kelly. Very enjoyable. We'll bring you that. Um, we also had some clips of the week, Pewter. Yeah. And they were good. And um, Mike Ward has a new slot now on a Monday. He used to be with us on a Friday from the Daily Star, the TV. Looking at some non-sporting telly, if you can squeeze some in around all the European football. Um, and uh, so Mike joined us as well and we had a chat here it all is good afternoon everyone good afternoon Andy I couldn't believe there wasn't any rugby on last night on ITV. I thought there might be the fifth versus sixth oh. uh, playoff. Well, look, it's, it's interesting, this, isn't it? Because the England players are now going to have to stick around for a, more or less a week. That's ridiculous. When you remember, and as is the Argentinian players, when you remember mm. that their season has started, their clubs are now playing rugby, and I'm sure would like them back and getting ready to play many of them. But a third and fourth place. And I always thought to myself, there can't be a player out mm. there who looked back fondly at a third and fourth place and wants anything to do with it. Then we chatted to Paul Parker, uh, yeah. who played in the uh, game between England and Italy in Italia 90. And he said he absolutely loved it. So what do we know? No, I he think was... football's different from... And also, <coughs> football in 1990 is a very different thing from yeah. rugby in 2023. Yeah, and even football in 2023 yeah. with the amount of games they play. That's true. That's true. Uh, I've got a guest for Nigel, <coughs> by the way. This is very exciting. <coughs> it's uh, Villa's Douglas Luiz. Yeah, I saw this. <laughs> Incredible. Mm. Uh, Douglas Luiz produced a fishing celebration. He said, I like fishing so much. When I go to Brazil, every time we go fishing, this celebration is for my friends and my family who I go with. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how tough a booking he is for Nigel. I mean, Douglas Luiz, is he going to be prepared to get up at six o'clock on a Sunday morning? <laughs> a guide to tackle shops in Rio. <clears throat> yeah, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? What's your, what's your favourite tackle shop, uh, Douglas? That would be good. A couple of things to get going on from uh, the day's news. I did love this. Why did you give something up? We're interested to know why you decided not to do it anymore. Randall Williams, um, he plays uh, for Bolton at the moment. He scored mm. against Northampton at the weekend and he did an acrobatic backflip mm. when he did and he gave us a bit of a a, a tale as to uh, why he's, he's so uh, supple like that he said uh, I was a gymnast as a kid and uh, he said uh, I, I tried a bit of everything but he said I did loads of sports gymnastics was one of them I loved it and I learned all the flips which obviously he's still, still mm. keeping going now I didn't compete it was just something that I liked doing but I didn't really like the tights if I'm being honest <laughs> so <clears throat> it was the leotard what did for him <laughs> really, old it? Randall thought nah I'm not wearing that I'll do, I'll do another sport mm. somewhere I've got a that bit more judo, really. bit more of a covering so he said he didn't like the tight. They're not really tight, are they? Mm. I mean, he's not in cabaret, is he? No, not in not in <laughs> Chicago. It's <laughs> um, tight. But yeah, anyway, he, he, that's what put him off. And sometimes you'll try something, sport or otherwise, mm. and you think, yeah, no, that's really put me off. So we're interested to know what put you off. Nice and open ended, bit of a Charlie's Choice feel to it. But do let us know. Uh, this afternoon, yeah. talksport.com forward slash H and J. Text to 1089. fell down during the judo. That's right. Is that what put you off a of judo? Mm. There is a recurring theme here. You tried <laughs> judo, you didn't do up your belt tight enough, did you, on your no, trousers? That's right, yeah. And then halfway through a, a, a battle, yeah. your trousers fell down. That's not great when you're 
quite young like no, that. No, I mean, it's humiliating, isn't it? And I would imagine it takes the, the, the edge off the machismo of being in hand-to-hand combat with somebody Very else of a similar age. <laughs> then you tried um, relay, a relay Jacks. race, and then you ended up running halfway around because you didn't get your tracksuit bottoms off yeah, in time. That's this true, thing. yeah. It's, it's a bit of a You've had some run-ins with the world of sport, haven't you? <laughs> there was that kid who nicked the... You had a shot once, and it was back across the line, he got stuck in the yeah, mud. Yeah. What was that boy's name? Stephen Collins, my you've never, friends. You've never forgotten no. Stephen Collins nicking your goal, have you? He's probably listening. <clears throat> Good afternoon, Stephen. He's Big never. Spurs fan. He's, he's happy to claim it. He's never. <laughs> he's, well, that's what it says in the record books. Yeah. So you've had some run-ins with sport. But anyway, what put you off? Uh, let us know. <laughs> this was bizarre. I didn't actually see what happened because this mm. was from Saturday's papers. He said Leighton Orient will wear their away kit against Barnsley today, despite being at home. Both sides traditionally wear red, meaning the tights would normally rock up in their white away strip for the game at Brisbane Road. But the Yorkshire Club currently do not have a change strip. Um, because their team bus caught fire on the way home from Exeter a fortnight ago. And with the kit they wore that day now unusable, Neil Collins, I were told, have been unable to source replacements in time for the trip to East London. They sell them in the club that shop. level, is it? Then they sell them yeah. in the club. I mean, you know, I would imagine they'd have some shirts, eh? 14 away shirts yeah. from the club shop, maybe not. Yes, yeah, so, so anyway, Barnsley do not. They do have a black third kit, which would not clash with Orient's red. But due to red and black causing significant issues for people who, who are colour blind, the O's have agreed to wear white. It's quite mm. a little unusual okay. story. Yeah. And I haven't seen pictures, but O's and, and uh, Barnsley fans, you can tell us: uh, is that what happened? And everything work out as it should have done. But sometimes you are called upon to very hurriedly come up mm. with a replacement kit. I think everybody's played on a Sunday morning, Saturday afternoon. And uh, you say, yeah, you're not wearing that, eye. Well, that's all we brought with us. Mm. Oh, look, we wear red and all. What are you going to do about it? Mm. So you've got inside out, you've got shirts and skins. Skins. So we're looking for tales of uh, hurriedly uh, rearranged... Oh, well, you can't do shirts and skins on a Sunday afternoon in the middle of winter, can you really? But do let us know. Um, Impromptu uh, kit replacement stories. We'd love to hear from you. Talksport.com, text 1889, tweet TSH&J. It was all talking kits. Sheffield United against Manchester United, both wearing stripes. I always think that's a yeah. bit off. Again, if you're both, I mean, when they say for you watching in black, who's watching in black and white? Yeah. There can't when be that Sunderland many. When Sunderland used to play Newcastle, mm. and the kits were virtually identical, yeah. and in black and white, you just <clears> couldn't tell, really. So we'd love to hear from you this afternoon. Of course, the, the, the weekend has been dominated by the sad news about uh, Sir Bobby Charlton, and so much has been said quite rightly on... On the station, mm. I mean, all you, all you can really do is echo just what an amazing player he was. Myself and Andy were both fortunate enough to see him in the yeah, flesh. I did. I don't think people realise just what box office Besslaw and Charlton were in the 70s. I remember, I mean, when I was a kid, you'd have to get to Spurs quite early because there was no mm. set places we used to stand. And as a kid, you want to be near the front. So we often got there at sort of one o'clock to try and get in as early as mm. we could to get a spec. Which you know now you rock up much later than that. But when Manchester United, when those those three amaz- amazing players came to town, you'd be there about half eleven in the morning, mm. queuing up. No, I remember there were game at the bridge where there was about seventy thousand. Yeah, for, 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 for and, that, and they were on the running track and all the. And the world track. is so different now. It's hard to believe that you could. I'm, this is absolutely true. Not, first time I ever went abroad with my folks, nineteen sixty nine. We went to Spain and we got in a taxi. Yeah, people have talked about it's this, true. Yeah. We got in a taxi <laughs> from the airport and the guy barely spoke any English. We're in Benidorm or something like that. I yeah. can't remember. So and he barely spoke any English and uh, and he actually you know, he said English English and we said yes yes and he said. Bobby Charlton. Absolutely. The first thing he Playing said. Playing with waiters. Bobby Charlton. Yeah, Bobby it. Charlton. It was just amazing. The guy absolutely transcended the sport. He was he was kind of a currency. He was a mm. he was a bridge when you went to absolutely. foreign country. He was just mm. so huge because he was such a, a wonderful player. Did you, I, did you ever meet him? I met him once. No, I never did. Actually. It was at the, the World Cup draw, I think, in New York in about end of 1992. And he'd gone over there as a sort of ambassador for... Mm. A, one of the credit card companies, and he was just sort of on his own after the draw had happened, and journalists were milling around, and so I just sort of said, "Have you, have you got five minutes for a chat about the draw and what you made of it?" And yeah, he was lovely. He was very accommodating and spoke to me. So disappointed he was that England had not made it, and and had a conversation and gave us some stuff for for ninety minutes. So uh, just just the one opportunity to to speak to him but it, it's, it is incredibly sad but what, what an incredible life he I had I saw his last match and the goal against Mexico was there in the stadium you saw his last match at, for, at Chelsea his last match ever oh was it really it was at Chelsea 1973 I think it was wow the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast time then to reflect on the Premier 
League weekend is always game by game with our own Danny Kelly. Good afternoon, Danny. Hello, chaps. Everything good? Yeah. Yeah, not yeah, too bad. Good. Thank you. We're just uh, just talking about uh, Sir Bobby Charlton just there, Danny. And I know you were yeah. on with um, Tim and Kevin last night. I was listening to the yeah. show, and you and you spoke about uh, Bobby last night. Um, so I was just making that point, Danny, that you're of an age where you're remembering being a kind of bridge to other cultures and countries. A man so famous, it would often be you could say those two words, and people would go ah, Paul, and their face would light up. Paul, it happened to me, and you could almost do a phone in about this. What is the latest? Um, in, in terms of time, when mm. Bobby Charlton was still that. Mm. I can tell you, for me, um, I went to a music festival in Japan in 1999. Wow. Um, now, my Japanese is pretty limited. I think you could probably imagine that, can't you? <laughs> um, and I remember getting into a, a taxi, um, giving a man a card, which had in Japanese the, um, the place I wanted to go to. And um, we were driving along for after a while, and he didn't even say English. He just went, Bobby Charlton. <laughs> and suddenly, suddenly we were connected. Amazing. It worked out. It worked out. Something about the cut of my jib, and he just went. He tried it under his breath. He went, Bobby Charlton, yeah. and I went, Yes, Bobby Charlton. Yeah. And suddenly there was a human connection. Yeah. I think the point we were making on Trans Europe Express last night, the point I was trying to make, was he was the first English player who was global, mm. who everybody knew, following the World Cup in '66 and his performances in mm. the. European Cup final against Benfica in 68, and he won the Ballon d'Or. Hmm. And as I pointed out, you might have seen a picture I put up on Twitter during the week, he, um, he won the Ballon d'Or. There was no big thing about it. Yeah. A French journalist came and gave it to him on the pitch um, <laughs> before a that. game. You know. well, one of the pictures you put up, Danny, though, mm. really resonated with me. because It's it amazing. Was, it's the picture of Bobby with his mother. Sissy, when they're going for a header. Yeah. And yeah. I remember this photo when I was mm. a kid, and I wanted my own mum to be like Mrs. Yeah. Sissy Charlton. Wow. Teach me how to play football like that. She was better in the air than you, your mum, though, wasn't she? She was. She used to like to drive an elbow into your face as she jumped your mum. They, she? they yeah. were a remarkable, a remarkable mm. sporting family because yeah. she is, I think, the sister of Jackie Milburn, yeah. and you know, another mm. absolute legendary footballer. And mm. I remember once on a phone-in I was doing with the other Danny, um, mm. we were talking about that photograph and said, Sissy wasn't the best footballer in that family. Her sister, Peggy, was a really good footballer wow. and and invented the near post corner. She used to tell Jackie to go to the near post and head the ball on rather than trying to score. Wow. So Pe Sissy, who you saw there, her sister invented the near post corner. Yeah, that's if, brilliant. If, if callers to phone-ins are to be believed. Yeah. And the thing is, just finally on this, Danny, is that, is that he he was, you know, football of the year and the, fir the first global superstar of football yeah. in a sense. And never caught English in it for one, a moment. Yeah, English. Oh, Pele was yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. Uh, English yeah. one, but and never, Stefano, yeah. never, never courted it. No, no Instagram, no. no social media, no, really, no really, promotional deals. Just through really, the, the brilliance really interesting of his football, that, isn't it? Yeah. I think, I think, brilliance of the football. I think he may also have had um, a very serious vein put into his character by having survived the Munich yeah, air crash. Yeah, you know, incredible. And also, if you're playing in a team as he was throughout the 60s with two absolute pop stars mm. in Dennis Law and George Best, um, you probably don't get encouraged to come to the front of the queue publicity-wise, do you? Because yeah, they're yeah. always going to pick those two. But yet, of course, the, the, the issue there was it was an amazing combination of players for any club to have at the same time. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah. What a so great triumvirate they were. We, we move on to the Premier League at the weekend. Uh, Aston Villa 4. West Ham United won. Element of surprise there in the James Alexander-Gordon envelope because I don't think anybody quite saw that result coming, Danny. No. Um, Aston Villa very good. West Ham will be disappointed with the way they played. Um, if you want an example of a, a country that's not being very well run, uh, Brazil have had a terrible start to their World Cup campaign um, and are level with Venezuela in the qualifiers. Mm. Uh, and Douglas Luiz <clears throat> is not in the squad, so that probably yeah. explains as much as you need to know about <laughs> yeah. that. Um, if you look, Aston Villa are a really good team. Let's not beat around the bush here. Mm. One to 11, they've got some very good footballers and a manager who knows what he's doing. Um, I don't want to get the programme sued in the very first um, section, <laughs> but I do want to talk about Nicola Zaniola and pretend to have a head injury. Oh, yeah. Mm. Two things about it. Cool. Two things about it. One... He is making it difficult for referees to, next time there's somebody with a head, because people like Jamie Carragher, me, yeah. screaming at television, leave him down there. Yeah. Um, mm. He's not doing his fellow pros any, any, any good there. But secondly, he's also putting the Aston Villa medical team into a real spot. So they go on. And either they're part of the fiasco, 
because they have to pretend, look at his head, do the protocols. They know there's nothing wrong with him. So either they are being fooled by their own player or they're part of the act. And it, neither is a very good place to be. I think mm. I think they really need to have a word with him and other players doing this because the head injuries are really important. And pretending mm. to have them to break up play, which we see all the yeah. time, is lessening what what medical teams and referees can do to help players who are genuinely hurt. If there's a suggestion that if he had to go off for 10 minutes for an assessment and you couldn't bring on a sub until the docs said, no, he's not coming back... Mm. That would stop it, wouldn't it? Stop because it in an would, instant. He wouldn't absolutely. do it, would he? So, you know, no, absolutely. I mean, in a, in a slightly different vein, we saw two players go down very easily, go very WWE this weekend. One was uh, Huang, of course, for Wolves. I mean, look, if, you, if somebody headbutts you, even skims the top of your head, you're mm. going to try and yeah. make the most of it. But he did go down like a sack of spuds. And even John McGinn, well, I think he was smacked in the face by Ollie Watkins. Yeah. But he clearly thought... Aye, aye, we might get one of them sent off. Down he went, the old legs went from yeah, under him. Yeah, yeah. Even Ollie Watkins, listen, what are you doing down there? It was, it, I mean... I'll tell you what struck the, me. Go on, then. No, no, just <clears> the <throat> reputation of, of professional footballers compared to other yeah. sports people who are as tough as teak and anyone mm. who watched the rugby matches over the weekend, you know, un, un, unentertaining though England's game was mm. in terms of physical toughness. And then you see people throwing themselves to the turf after... Uh, you know, one nasal hair has brushed what you know the front of their nose, and down yeah. they go. I mean, Lewis uh, Cook's an idiot for doing that. And as soon as you yeah. move your head forward, oh. But having said that, you know, if he'd stayed what? on his feet though, Wang, he probably wouldn't have been sent off. Right? I know, but the game would have been better for that. Yes, no, I, still, I, agree. I do think though, in, in this game, very, very finally, that yeah. West Ham really they looked odds on to get an equaliser. It shows you the value of having a striker who can score a goal out of nothing. Yeah, you know that makes such a difference because really. It was a bit like the Chelsea game. It was 2-0. Then it could easily have been 2-2, easily. But then Watkins got that goal and that was the end. And they never quite looked back, Villa. But yeah, serious uh, contenders. The job Unai Emery has has done has been quite amazing. I'm still slightly unconvinced, but we'll see. Okay, what puts you off? I just... I'm just that I'm just not convinced that they're going to finish as high as they are at the moment. We'll okay, banned out the office for West Ham, as David Moyes said. Mm. They will bounce back, no doubt. Um, we move on then, and our next game is Chelsea two, Arsenal two. Number of people, Stephen and Hackney, come on, Andy, where's your rant? Oh, I'm so but bored with this. You're not going to rant, are you? No. You know, I'll have a rant about the cricket. I yeah. had this yesterday. People saying, "Is he going to rant?" No, because my expectations are so much lower. Mm. than they, they have been previously. That's what used to make me so mad, that they, they'd underperform when they needn't do. At the moment, they're not underperforming. They're basically, as I said, I think they're sort of, in a way, overperforming. I mean, yeah. I didn't expect... nobody Before the game, nobody expected Chelsea to get a result in that game whatsoever. And, of course, at the end, everyone's really annoyed. They're really angry that we've thrown it away. We did throw it away. Because there's no way Arsenal were never getting back in that game. Unless you, unless you allowed them back but in. What do you, you know, it's going to take time for Chelsea. Sanchez was signed yeah. as a number two. He wasn't supposed to be the number one keeper. And that's clear. He mm. does that in every game. He got away with it most of the time. Yeah. But he didn't get away. We'll come on to keepers and the Arsenal keeper in a minute. But yeah. Danny, I mean, things mm. picking up. You know, we've got Chelsea soon, Tottenham, a few weeks' time. And uh, it's a bit of trepidation creeping in. They're starting to put it together, aren't they? Well, you know, Chelsea always do well against Spurs, by and large. Um, and the, you know, they, I thought I, I didn't share Andy's pessimism for the game. I thought they could get something out of the game against Arsenal. Uh, they are improving, Chelsea. Mm. To be fair, they got a fair amount of the luck, didn't they? Um, you know, the, 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 what that wasn't a penalty, the, the handball. Um, and I just backed it up by saying, well, Andy, you can make that. that. And frankly, I'm glad we're not envisioning that <laughs> yeah. face. Yeah, um, I, I thought it was a penalty. The ball was going towards, it was stopped by Saliba's hand. It was going in. So that's a penalty it, for me. Well, actually, I didn't think it was going in either for what it's worth. Mm. Um, the, but the, the, the point is, look at Mudrick as he goes for the ball. His hand is higher up and above his shoulders than the Arsenal defender. It's yeah. just the way you have to yeah. go for the ball. And if, if it hits your yeah. hand then from three feet away, that can't be a penalty. It's they, the they, law. Should, they should have had a penalty. It's not this. It's, the, it's, oh, the, it's the law that's... Yeah, they should have yeah, definitely had a penalty. And Arsenal when Sanchez wiped out. That's you know, what I'm saying. Jay, so some of the luck went against Arsenal on the day. But, yeah. you know, Chelsea will argue they may have had bad luck previously. It's regards Sanchez and, that, and, you know, Anana and that clear out. Hmm. I'm all for the goalkeepers going into those crowds of players, but yeah. they have to get the ball. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind if yeah. you clatter two people, but you manage to get your fist on the ball. Yeah. Great. 
other than that, it's got to be, it's the same as a, a foul in the outfield, isn't it? Just yeah. running into somebody. You know, it could easily have been three nil though. I mean, Chelsea had chances to make it three yeah. nil. That would have been game yeah. over. Maybe well, you they need were good. And they, yeah. weren't, they weren't getting in the, yeah. back in the game without we their just, gift. We're, we're, we're going to head to the um, news headline shortly. Just very quickly, David Raya, the the, the Mudrick goal reminded me of what happened in the Tottenham game, which led to Spurs scoring. Where anything looped in is is positional sense. I mean, maybe we need a goalkeeping coach on this, but he's been done twice like that. The one where Brennan. Johnson almost score it came off the bar a couple of times he's been caught out losing the flight of the ball goalkeepers positions have changed haven't they because they're now an outfield player half the time yeah <clears throat> and some of the basics of where you need to be if this ball is coming have been lost and and Raya he second guesses the, the outfield players and it won't do him any good in the long run the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast Danny Kelly's with us we're looking back over the Premier League weekend uh, our next game up is Sheffield United 1 Manchester United 2 and just an interesting sidebar on this game maybe a, a, a sign of things to come with 8 o'clock Saturday night kickoffs. Paul Heckingbottom said he was concerned by three separate incidents of pitch invasions. One came on and, uh, and tried to sort of do a selfie, apparently. Yeah, it's take a, away his social media. Well, I mean, not so much that. It's, I just think 8 o'clock on a Saturday night, people have been on it all day. You know, you're going to get more drunk people at the ground doing daft stuff like that. I don't watch them. I, I, it's good because I go to a match of the day and it's like watching a live game because I don't know what they... <laughs> I, I won't watch it on principle. I, I, that and so, I'm so glad they didn't put in Sunday night. But you see, they've done Christmas Eve. Well, they're thinking about it. Hasn't that been is the worst been idea you could possibly ever Such a have. lot. It used to be on Christmas Day, Daniel. Even oh, though I don't think we, we're not old enough to remember that, are we? No, no, we're not quite. But I, um, but it would be great fun to go to match Christmas morning, wouldn't mm. it? And then, and then, yeah. uh, you know, back home for you know somebody else has cooked your dinner, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tremendous. Open, open a few presents after getting back from the football. Absolutely yeah. delightful. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a great guy. Goal by Diego Della, wasn't it? Fantastic uh, finish, but oh, tremendously Bobby Charlton goal. It was, yeah, fitting. Yeah. Really, yeah. should have done better with that. Yeah, because he, he, he's been really good this season, but that wasn't his finest hour. He's flapped at it a bit, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's another example. Yes, Fodderingham should have stopped that in you know both hands and all the rest of it. But this is the problem that Sheffield United have. They they are in the worst possible place in my mind in the, down the bottom of the league because they're actually playing very well in these games mm. and losing. Yeah. If you're playing rubbish and losing, you can change the coach. And that's what people will be starting to do now. I'm looking at, you know, a club on the south coast. But if you're if you're playing well, you don't want to disturb that, but they're just being, they've got limited facility, limited you know resources, haven't they? Mm. But they're playing well, and they're in that game all the time, I thought, and they've still, you know, in the end, they, they get beat, they'll argue they got beat by a wonder goal, and next week it'll be a refereeing decision, and the week after that it'll mm. be a lapse in concentration. Um, and it's just tricky, tricky, tricky for them. It's mm. good news um, for United because they're really not playing at all well, but they're picking up wins, and they're still... Yeah. Up there, and it's interesting because their form is terrible, really. I think the, the football they play and the way they—I mean—they're creating enough, but they're not, you know, they're not finishing. But you know, they're, they're going to improve, so the signs are good for them. I think. Yeah, it was an important win. I mean, I don't know um, how much the players get affected by things like you know, in, in a fort, you know, ten days we've had, um, you know, Lady Ferguson and Bobby Charlton hmm. uh, passing away. I, I, it probably doesn't affect the players directly but you know there's all so much more ceremony and all the rest of it and for the fans at least they will have you know they marked but Charles passing by at least getting the result you're absolutely right Andy the performance was nothing to write home about um but they, they they're more resilient than they were which is more than yeah. you can say about Ten Hag's previous team Ajax who have fallen to pieces uh, mm. Eric Ten Hag saying nice things about Harry Maguire very pleased with his performances had another good performance by him looks like he's turned a bit of a corner there doesn't he I wonder if he would have been so pleased if, the, if that penalty for the push yeah. had been given mm. I think we might have had a different story then yeah. and he's absolutely right certainly about the kits you can't have two barcode kits no. on the pitch at the same time I don't I mean some Manchester United fan will no doubt put me right on on uh, social media, I don't understand Manchester United's away kit. Is that, it must be it must be referring to something historic, mustn't it? It's wasn't it New, was Newton Heath's away kit? Was it in eighteen ninety two or whatever? Well, that was yellow and green. Yeah, that, that was the, the home, that was the home yeah. kit, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. that was the yeah. the away they wore. The, the away the, was just that grey one. Yeah, the grey. <laughs> oh. Anyway, yeah. uh, on to now the, the perceived wisdom. Uh, our next game is Forest two, yeah. Luton two, mm. similar to the Chelsea Arsenal game. 
uh, a real comeback by uh, Luton. And uh, the perceived wisdom, Danny, is that they are the best set of the three teams that came up to survive Luton. Are you agreeing with that? They're the best set because of what they do. Mm. Um, the, the, what, what the other two teams do, particularly Burnley, is done so much better by teams in the Premier League that they are going to really, really struggle. Mm. Um, what Luton do has identity. It's not, it's not possible to, to stop them doing it because, you know, essentially it is... We've got to be careful. I, I really, let me say, I really like Luton. Mm. Uh, I like their attitude. And how how can you stop them launching the ball towards their very large forward players mm. and making it a physical battle? Answer is you can't. So at least they have a chance of doing it. Whereas if you're trying to replicate what Premier League teams do so brilliantly, um, as I think, for instance, Burnley are, Sheffield United to a lesser extent, um, Luton have got the best chance, but only because um, what they do is so extraordinary compared to what else goes on in the modern game. I also think their players understand that and they they kept going because they know they've got a chance. Yeah. It's yeah, a great it result like for them. Two points chucked away for Forrest, though. Oh, yeah, home win's important for, for Forrest, and they, they expect, you know, especially having been in that mm. situation. So they will be they will be gutted by that. We saw a bit of Serge Aurier, didn't we? Oh. Should have changed his studs. First, he fell over when he tried to put that cross in. <laughs> then he kind of fell over from Andros's sort of slightly <laughs> scuffed free kick that led to the, the first goal. I've written it down here that they attempted header on the edge of the box. Yes. Where, well, he falls where he, over again. Well, he, he would have been better. It was he almost he almost got the back of his heel to it. Never mind his head. It was almost a scorpion kick, buddy. And time he'd finished doing his surge thing, got to love him, haven't you? Yeah, the Adebayo goal. What a finish, though, to take it on his chest, turn outside of the right foot. What a cracking yeah. goal! Absolutely, a beautiful yeah. thing. Um, I, I mean, Andy, you were shaking your head there. And uh, do you think Luton are not um, equipped for the Premier League? No. I, th- I think mm. the four teams at the bottom are so much worse than everybody else. They, I'm not saying they won't get out of it, yeah, you no. know, because there's a long way to go. Long way. Be mad, but yeah, you know, they do look so much less. You know, teams like Forest have got enough about them. Everton, they've got enough about them. These teams to stay up. Yeah. And Wolves are doing well. And... Yeah, the one they'll they'll have Bournemouth in their sights as the yeah, team yeah. that they Bournemouth need to finish above, oh, won't they? They're in big problems. Uh, along yeah. with uh, David Moyes, like uh, like Roy Hodgson, prides himself on setting up a team well defensively. So it was odd that they shipped four. The same is true in Newcastle. Four Crystal Palace nil because very that's un-Roy-like. very unroy like, of course. Well done. To, it, uh, was everyone, it, they blitz them absolutely uh, it is newcastle newcastle absolutely fantastic let's not take that away from them as always football's about the losers look the truth of the matter is roy hodson who is a kind of alchemist of defensive football let's be honest but the, the pressure on his defensive players is too much no as a no elise no zaha from last year's team hmm. that is just asking so much of the players coming hmm. in and concomitantly it just means that their defenders are under Awful pressure, even against average teams, then by Newcastle, to keep these clean sheets upon which you know they they'll be hoping mm. to make their their, their escape. Um, look, they, they won't concede four every, every week, but the loss of so much creativity currently mm. out of the, uh, their normal standard of play, I I, I, I would defy any team outside of Manchester City to lose that much of their forward talent and, and still be playing well. The stats in this game are interesting, though. Palace still had 17 attempts yeah, in goal, which I is know. really That is amazing, isn't it? And Newcastle. You're going seven, to go say XG in a minute, are you, seven, but seven more shots than Newcastle. Newcastle though. are so clinical, those stats they put up on matches. Yeah. They're number one in everything. And our own Darren Ambrose, who played for both clubs, talking up Sean Longstaff, saying maybe Gareth will be having a look at him before yeah, next summer. Murphy, so, such an unsung hero. He had an yeah. excellent game. Yeah. yeah, Murphy was brilliant, wasn't he? Uh, Gareth Gareth has his favourites in central midfield, doesn't he? I wouldn't mm. be. I wouldn't, no. Sean might have to wait a little while yet. Um, uh, we got uh, Manchester City two, Brighton and Hove Albion one. A game that became a whole lot trickier when Akanji got sent off at the end. And but funny, I, just just looking at a stat today in the uh, Sun, Brighton are without a clean sheet in thirteen Premier League games, and only two sides have let in more goals than their sixty sixth since Roberto De Zerbi. Arrived. I mean, it's the old um, Vindaloo thing. We're going to score one more than you. Maybe that's that's why they're very entertaining. I guess it's one of the reasons they're so very entertaining. And yes, that that stat is starting to, you know, it's a it's a it's an outlier in some ways. You know, sooner or later they will keep a clean sheet. But what is definitely true is they're not as defensively sound, even as they were a year ago mm. um, when they were stuck when their attacking players allowed them to win a lot of games. 
Um, you know, Sanchez has gone, so it may not be the world's number one goalkeeper, but it's a change at the back. And the loss of McAllister and Caicedo in front of the normal defenders. That's more of a um, problem. Mm. It, absolutely. And if you want to if you want to see it, look how much work Lewis Dunk is having to do in every game these days. Yeah. He he's doing the work of two men because they're not as good in central midfield as they were previously. Um, you know, they they're has got all kinds of praise and he deserves it but he's got something he's going to have to look at now in the next few weeks yeah, because a, they can't go on like that he's half for James Milner though. when you're 37 and you've had a game like that you must be thinking yeah. oh. against Doku oh my goodness yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and then and then when Doku got a little bit tired they brought on Jack Grealish I mean it was it was cruelty yeah. wasn't it it was absolute cruelty it's interesting there's been a bit of talk about that Danny because Doku is playing so well at the moment and uh, Pep was mm-hmm. talking about Jack Grealish and getting him back to his best but you know we have got a European Championship next year, and he's a, he's a key player. And you start, I mean, he's going to yeah, get games, but his, get games. his playing time could well be limited because Docker was fitting right in. He brings a he brings a lot to that team, doesn't he? Well, he's he's brought a bit of thrust where mm. where Jack brings a kind of um, technical brilliance and and a bit of X factor. Uh, Docker just straight straightforward thrust. And if you've got players that you know like. Mm. The, the Argentinian striker and Haaland. Yeah. If, you, if the ball back's getting beaten regularly, you know you're in deep trouble. Um, look, no one can buy Jack Grealish. It'd be too expensive and who could pay no. him? Simple no, as that. I don't think he's in thank, any... Thank goodness Haaland's drought is over. I'm yeah. very worried <laughs> for him. Yeah, huge, I know, I know. Thought I might have to drop him for a while there, Finish for the second was corker. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Three more games to squeeze in as uh, we reflect on the Premier League weekend. Uh, it is uh, Brentford 3, Burnley nil. Much needed home win for Brentford. Thomas Frank, I see Danny, uh, rewarding himself, him and the missus. Take away Tapas. Uh, they Very were having nice. that night, mm. and after the game, it allowed him to say the players were magnificent. They deserve um, Hamon Serrano, Manchego cheese, and of course, patatas bravas and a nice glass of red wine. So, <laughs> that's all, yeah, so that's, that's a you don't often get that in a press conference after a game. He was running through his menu for that evening. Yes, and um, you know, a good see that he hasn't given into the local uh, traditions and taking the lady wife out for fish and chips. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> um, look, this game. Uh, Brentford have been in, you know, Andy knows better than me, very poor results. I don't know mm. how about their form particularly. Um, so it's a huge win for them. And again, I come back to what are Burnley going to do? Mm. What are they going to do? They are attempting to play a, a style of football that virtually every team in the Premier League plays better than them. Yeah. And I think the that's the nub of, that, of it, Danny, actually. That is they the always, say, they always that, say the championship's yeah. close to the Premier League, but, I mean, they got 102 points or something last year, but they look, don't look anything like that. You're so right. It's hard. Say. I mean, look, you could argue well, that it's, were, a peri- were... it's a period of adaptation. They could they could suddenly could click and they might look playing that way. But at the moment, the signs are it's exactly what you've said. Everybody else is better at it than them in this division. Yeah, um, you could call being in the emergency room under the knife, Paul, as period of transition if you wanted. <laughs> um, you know, I'm hoping to trans to trans tra- tra- you know, get back to a better f- frame of health. It's a quite a difficult thing they're trying to do. Mm. Um, I I don't know Vincent Company. I've ever met the man. Um, he seems to be an absolutely fantastic bloke and all the rest of it. Um, and we know now that in modern coaching, the, the whole idea is that you don't need to be adaptable. You need to stick to your principles. Unfortunately, sooner or later, when you're looking at what the principles are producing, you've got to think again. And don't, mm. don't be fooled by the scoreline. Brentford were worth their 3-0. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely worth it. They could have had six mm. on the day. We're playing uh, Brentford next week at the bridge, and the bloke who sits next to me said, which end will you be sitting in? Oh, yeah, Andy, what are you going to oh. do? You're going to have your Brentford sc- <laughs> half, half and half, half and half scarf. Be utterly ridiculous. <laughs> I, I want Chelsea to beat Brentford. But it's going to be badly. interesting because, you know, Vincent Company isn't a fool. He's a very bright man, and he'll be yeah. looking at that. And he'll st- at the moment, everything he says that he still believes that moment will come and the kind of football they want to play will work in this league and they'll pick up enough results to stay up and consolidate and maybe be able to go out and buy more players that, that can more effortlessly play in that style at, at this level. But for now, it's difficult to see that. They can't buy a player for another 12 games. No. Um, so if if they if the current forms, and of course they, they'll play some teams who are not so good and they'll pick up a few points, hmm. but currently come January, they'll be, they'll be so cut adrift that they aren't careful that no amount of remedial work will do. They've got to do something now. I don't know what it is. I'm not pretending I know better than Vincent Company. Um, it may just be they've got to 
pick the players who are more solid and and mm. and try and stay in games longer. Let's in, move on. Wemmer's having a great season. He's a top player. Yeah, he's, he's, they'll do well to keep. Bournem- him. Bournemouth won. Wolves two. It's the it's not about me, Derby Gary. But we all know kind of really you would have <laughs> you would have been got back on that coach and uh, been well, in a big beaming smile on your face because it was. It must have been a dish best served cold, whatever he says, really. The, and the karma balance here in the, yeah. in the universe. Gary's joy balanced out by what What must the Bournemouth um, board have been thinking as they mm. watched the game unfold? Mm. Um, first of all, let me, let me just say something, not for the sake of being controversial, because I believe what I believe. Pedro Neto is currently the best player in the Premier League. Yeah, he's playing very well. Yeah. Oh, my I've goodness. Pedro Neto will keep Walls up if he stays fit. Or, Hold it, or, or holding up a City shirt in, in January. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, they can't. I mean, hang on. They've got they've got Doku. They, oh, they're going to get Neto as well. Yeah, they? Well, they, possibly yeah, it's possible. No. <laughs> um, but what I mean, obviously, the result, as brilliant as it was for Gary, was just terrible for Anthony uh, Irueto, who, yeah. you know, we know that he's a good coach, but he's got himself into a situation there where, yeah. again, um, he he can go and talk to other Spanish coaches who've come here and you know not done well. Unai Emery at Arsenal, and it's a different league. Yeah. Um, and you know he'll be he can blame Cook for that stupid sort of movement with his head, mm. um, but the truth of the matter is Wolves had a ton of shots and a ton of chances, um, and they were you know played half the game at ten. And I get I do get all that, but they were the better team anyway. And um, yeah, he does look like the uh, fine actor Alfred Molina. He does got a look oh. of Alfred Molina. Yes, yeah. now you've said that, Andy. It's true. It's uh, but, yeah. slightly thrown. But me. another goal from playing. What are you suggesting? A second back? career for him? Yeah. yeah. I mean, huh. Billings, you know, with that... I don't think he wanted the ball. How many goals are we going to see? There are certain times in the game, yeah. you're holding on for a 1-1. Yeah. It would have been a good result with 10 men. Just boot it up the pitch. Why are you playing it like yeah. that? Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh, Andy, you're, you're, you're literally... The, the FA's heresy police will be yeah. coming around oh, to the studio. The Charlie you're Hughes, not allowed to say that The now. Charlie Hughes of TalkSport. No, I've noticed a lot. Admiral top, Thompson, yeah. <laughs> Man City aren't afraid to go long. And, no. And Arsenal on, sat, on Saturday also went long Mix quite it a up. few times, yeah. Uh, Liverpool 2, Everton nil. Well, I see Ali was getting a bit of clog for giving... Uh, Salah, uh, man of the match, which he, he kind of did address on breakfast with Andy Townsend this morning. You know, when the guy gets the, t- the two big match-winning moments, even in, mm. it wasn't his finest game, he was pretty quiet beyond that, but then he pops up in the right place for the second. Did feel for Everton. Again, it was another game of odd uh, refereeing decisions. And Why, look, oh, sorry to interrupt. Hmm. Why are Everton not going bonkers about the, what happened on, in that game? Yeah. Because they got a player sent off for two yellows, mm. quite rightly. I've got no yeah. problem with the sending off. Ashley Young should know better at his yeah. advanced age. Um, but Konate obviously should have gone mm. as well. Well, Craig and- Pawson, Danny, mm. is, is, is a human being. And in that moment, he's got a split-second decision to make. And he's thinking, oh, God, I can't saw Liverpool off again after what happened at Spurs. I Sorry, that's not good enough. I, I, no, I, I'm not saying no. this for a fact. I don't know the man. I just get a feeling that referees are human and they no. say they look at every decision in, in isolation, but I just think that's at the back of your mind when you've sawn a team my, off to that extent. That was my point. Mm. Um, Everton needed to go mad afterwards and ask for a replay <laughs> because, then, because then you get the knock-on two weeks later yeah. when the referees remember the furore about the last time Liverpool um, had, had, had a problem. Mm. Um, and mm. um, Sean Dyche is too... Straightforward a bloke to get into all that, but um, it, it was clear that I thought you're right. I thought yeah. Corson in the in the in mm. the back in the back rooms of his subconscious yeah. might have been thinking, "Oh, now I've yeah. got to send off I've a Liverpool player." That was Corson. That was Corson. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Was. And also, I mean, we saw a Kenji send the off game, of course, as well. When the manager subs the player immediately. Oh, yeah. Doesn't didn't Craig Pawson think? Oh no, what have yeah. I done? I mean, he yeah. almost certainly does think that. You know, he does because yeah. he can't recognise it. Can't recognise even the slightest touch from Canati. Be off. And, it's and like, if they had like a pre-season friendly when you sub the guy, if they so, hadn't yeah. had Gomez on the bench. Klopp would have come on himself to replace Konate. He was so desperate to get him off, wasn't it? It's true. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, you know, it did feel like that. I mean, only the referee can tell you if that's what was going on, but... He doesn't know himself. He he can't possibly explain. He doesn't have to, I guess. He just made a split-second decision, and that was that. But uh, Everton, I mean, it's not often you can lose 2-0 in the derby and come away (laughs) and think, yeah, there's some some good things that came out of that match from our point of view. Uh, I suppose... Yeah, but, you know, I suppose they, they, they endured a siege and did it together. It was a togetherness yeah, about yeah, them yeah. after they went mm, down yeah. 10 minutes. They can lock into that. 
Um, they, they could have lost by more, let's be true. Yeah, yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. A few of you open Andy would do a rant after the Chelsea-Arsenal game. David Manchester points out Andy got quite upset at the idea that he would do a rant in fact only Andy could rant about not <laughs> about being expected to <laughs> rant good. you did kind of have a rant about that I did have a rant about it yeah, yeah. Uh, we also asked you about why you gave things up we were telling you the story now of uh, Randall Williams at Bolton who uh, did gymnastics as a kid he now does the old backflip celebration but gave up um, gymnastics he didn't like the tights yeah, the tights weren't for me. He said, yeah. didn't like the didn't like the tights. <laughs> Couldn't run in pads. That was cricket for me. Says one of the listeners. <laughs> nah, I can't be doing with this. So uh, do let us know. Talksport.com forward slash H and J. Text to eight ten eighty nine. Tweet to TSH and J. With a few messages coming in, among them from Jonathan, the Palace fan. Did Andy make the pasta restaurant uh, yesterday? Um, because uh, you were on with uh, Max, Max Rushton, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, I. Uh... Uh, it's a very popular restaurant around here. Yeah. I had my wife with me, and I said, let's go there after the show. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, you have to queue for ages. Mm. And the producer who was on, Sam, he said to me, no, no, there's a virtual queue. You can mm. you can get the Bar QR code. code and all yeah. that, and you can join the virtual queue. So I did it, and then I but I realised I'd booked the table. It suddenly came through. It was going to be before the show ended. I thought, I'm going to have to leave five minutes before the end. Pushing it a bit, isn't it? Beat the traffic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, George. Cheers, George. See you in a fortnight. So, yeah. But it just about worked out okay, and uh, yeah. You still fine. got in? We got in. That's Enjoyable good. meal? What did you have, said Jonathan? That's a bit much, Jonathan. Too much information. Too much information. Mind your own business. No, I, had a, I had a pasta. That's oh, okay. Well, served it, there. It, it, it'll be no more specific than that. <laughs> if he tells you, you'll have to kill you. Victoria Beckham is, to, is in talks to star in her own TV documentary oh, good. after husband David smash hit for Netflix. Yeah. A source who doesn't exist whatsoever mm. said, it's early days, but everyone's very excited about this production. I'm, like, I'm not. Yes. Not at all excited about it in any oh, shape or form. Okay, maybe you're not the target audience. Well, I suppose you are in a way. No, I'm not. Uh, Lake Norin, well, they're <clears> awake at home because um, they played at the mm. weekend against Barnsley, who haven't gotten awake because it caught fire mm. uh, in the coach. Um, that's, that's the truth. Um, we're asking you about impromptu kits. I played in a Gaelic football match. Um, when we got to the game, we realised these shirts were in a black bin liner and someone had actually thrown them out thinking they were a bag of rubbish. We had to borrow shirts from a team who had just played a game in the pouring rain. Imagine pulling those oh, on. No, It'd be like horrible. pulling on the current Villa shirt, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it hadn't been worn. Funny enough, we lost, said Pat from Stoke. So thank you very much for that. Impromptu kits. Talksport.com, text 81089, tweet J. I did get very angry about the cricket on Saturday. I yeah, understandably, I mean, it was appalling, pitiful. wasn't it? And uh, the coach, who I don't rate whatsoever, didn't rate him from the word go, and mm. Joss Butler, who I don't think is a great captain, and it's really affected his batting. Yeah. He's gone from being one of the best white ball batsmen in the world to can't get a run, and mm. uh, that's not good. But they said they admitted it was a big blunder to bowl first against the South Africans in gruelling heat and humidity. You think, really? Who, who would have thought that? 
then it'd be worse playing in the absolute boiling, humid conditions during the day than at night when mm. they... <laughs> honestly, was absolutely balmy. Did you see this bloke who looks like Roy Chubby Brown? Oh, uh, oh, yes, yeah. He's a looking like cabbie. He says he's fed up with being mistaken for potty-mouthed comedian Roy Chubby Brown. Hmm. He said, I like telling jokes. I've memorised some of Chubby's material. Oh. Although I leave out the offensive stuff, I think not much left. Really? After that, Blimey. really. <laughs> a kind of clean, a clean Chubby Brown act would be slim pickings, I would. But no, actually, yeah, that's unfair on him. Um, he can get into the surreal Chubby now and yeah. again. Yeah, he'll no, he'll, sure. take, you, he'll take you in directions that, uh, that Stephen Wright would be proud of now. <laughs> now and again not all the time but now yeah. and again um so yeah uh, keep your uh, yes uh, what else have we got here i remember when southampton who played in red and white stripes released mm. her away strip which was white and red stripes <laughs> <laughs> how they got away with that i'll never know says uh, ryan so yeah keep uh, keep telling us about that playing sunday league against the uni team 10 years ago no surprise the lab of their kit had uh, overdone it the night before. No sign of him. So they were wearing an horrendous mix of baggy joggers and any blue top mm. they could find. We were keen to get the game on, so just let them crack on. But felt a bit hard done by when the ref started picking picking on us because a couple of lads had taped their socks with unmatching tape. <clears throat> but let the opposition turn up as an absolute rag bag. Thank you very much, I cleared Nick. my throat in sympathy with you there. I didn't need to clear my you throat, didn't. but as you cleared yours, I did mine. Well, it's nice. It's nice you're coming out in sympathy, Andy. Anyway, let me tell you about Christmas Eve, right? Oh, yeah. Not the live football. Uh, well, that may put the kibosh on one or two people attending. Every every Christmas Eve, although I believe no, this year... It's not. It'll be like the 22nd, won't it? Yeah. No, it's, a, it's, a, it's a traditionally a Christmas Eve show that we do when we invite a bunch of the talk sport listeners into the studio. I mean, I'm sure if you've listened to the show before, you're aware of the drill. They come in, we have a ch- chat with them, we find out what they're all about, talk sport. We also play some great old clips, have different guests popping up over the three hours. So it's a chance to come into the talk sport studios and uh, and share the day with us, share the afternoon with us. It will be on Friday the 22nd of December this mm. time. And the way, if you'd like to come along and bring somebody along with you, we have a, um, a kind of form so you can tell us a little bit about yourself. And that's on uh, TSHNJ, at TSHANDJ on Twitter. And you can uh, just click through, or X, I believe, uh, and you can just uh, click through, download the form, and just tell us a little bit about yourself, why you'd like to come in, some really interesting mm. facts. Give us something to work with. So when you come in, you've got this beautiful CV <laughs> that, that we can uh, have a little bit of a chat about. Good. Just just interest, whatever you think would be of interest and would work on the day. But we'd love to see you. Just want to get a good turnout mm. and it's a lot of fun. So if you can join us uh, at T-S-H-A-N-D-J uh, at Twitter, the form is there and you could be with us in the studio uh, between 1 and 4 on Friday the 22nd of December. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. The Talk Sport Clips of the Week. Well, kind of. It's uh, Clips of the Week pewter once again. We take you back to April slash May 2005. Some old clips that have resurfaced after all these years and we bring them to the producer. Curates them and we've not heard them since. So we've dusted them off. Can't call them gold. We hope there's some gold in there, oh, a few nuggets. And we're going to uh, b- play you a clip from last week and give you a little bit of information on the backstory from it because it, it would cause quite the stir last week with the perpetrator as well as the TalkSport listeners. So we'll do that for you at the end. But first, let's get underway with this week. Andy, would you like to kick us off? Yeah, let's start with the travel. Queuing traffic at the moment clockwise between junctions 29 and 30, the A127 to the A13. Tolleries? Tol- two lorries. <laughs> oh, there's two oh, lorries the old... in the tolleries. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is Patrick Kinghorn and Jason Cundy. There's no doubt what the game of the weekend in the Premiership is, Jason. Mm. Yes, you're right. Selhurst it... Park, Crystal Palace, Southampton. Yeah, <laughs> I think he probably did need a bit of a nudge there, Pat, uh, definitely. Here's uh, Graham Beecroft looking ahead to the Champions League final. Um, as far as the, um, the the kit in the final is concerned, Milan have, um, are going to wear white kit, although I believe they did win the toss, didn't they, and could have actually worn their black and white shirts. <laughs> but they got the, got the Milan fans on side, didn't it, really? The Juve yes. fans would have loved that. Brilliant. This is Mike Parry talking art. What could go wrong? 
I can argue and say it doesn't look like art to me. I can't say that's not the theory of relativity, but I can say that is not art. Because like you, I believe art to be the hay swain. Yeah. The hay swain, yeah. The hay swain. <laughs> John, I don't even want to attempt how you mangle John Constable's <laughs> no, name. I think we'll leave I think that. We'll stick with that. Yeah, a hay wain, Mike. Uh, not to be deterred, the art chat kept coming. I think 75 or 80% of art is a contrick. A painting to me is Leonardo da Vinci or the, the, he- or, or the Hay Wayne, yeah. any masters who, 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 painting that you see in the Loire in Paris. What's he doing <laughs> in the Loire? Isn't that a river? He's in the valley. <laughs> yeah, Just sitting the valley. there on its own on an easel, <laughs> getting blown over by the wind. I think it means the Louvre, doesn't he? He's fantastic. Just slightly. It's like Mike, Mike, when he did that stuff, was just like Les Dawson's piano playing. <laughs> it was an art to being that close, but yeah, just but... being slightly off. <laughs> um, and uh, sticking with art, here's the moose. Mm. Talking about art, actually, um, there was this big art exhibition or big collection of art that was being sold, and the um, the guy in Japan couldn't decide whether it should be sold by Christie's or Sotheby's. So what he did was he asked them both on a piece of paper to fax over either uh, rock, scissors, or paper, and whoever you know, like in the game, mm. and basically um, Christie's faxed over paper and Sotheby's faxed over scissors, and. Um, so they got they got the contract. I wonder if that's the weirdest way of setting an argument. Maybe UEFA could do that. They could say to the Everton chairman, mm. um, you know, and the Liverpool chairman, you're not, you're not convinced you two, are you? Right, OK, let's move on to some sporting headlines. <laughs> Graham Budd went with water. Yeah. <laughs> what about that? <laughs> Mike just took his legs on. What a vicious tackle that was. <laughs> it was Fantastic. much of a story. I mean, it did it, really? slightly fizzle. I wouldn't tell it on Piers Morgan anytime soon, uh, Moose. And, uh, yes, this is um, Alan Brazil chatting to our old mate Tim Vickery, South American correspondent in Rio. Uh, Tim, what, t- what time have you got over in Rio? What time's it at the moment? It's coming up 10 to 3 in the morning. Oh, really? Crikey. Goodness me. Just in from the one of the clubs then, eh? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> What's the lovely islands off Rio? Is it Buzios? That would be Alan's favourite <laughs> island, wouldn't it? It's actually called that. To it's be it fair is to called Buzios, where the off licences never close. It's very beautiful. Twenty four seven Buzios. It is actually called that. Yeah. Uh, what's next then? It's Jason Cundy now chatting to former England cricketer Chris Cowdery. Well, no, that's right. But uh, what I tend to say, especially if I'm speaking at any dinners or anything like that, I tend to say that between my father and myself, we captained England on twenty seven occasions. And uh, I don't. I tend to omit the fact that he captained on twenty six. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> what? How, how did he? I mean, you, we talk about this now, and it opens up all sorts of. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Okay, Chris. I'm, I'm glad Jason wasn't in the audience for his <laughs> after dinner speaking. <laughs> yeah. I, I really enjoyed the gig, but there was one guy really just didn't like it at all. This is Paul Bring Turner talking football. Uh, a few emails uh, that have come through. Uh, David Bellamy, of course, has yep. dominated the headlines, Mike, this afternoon. David Bellamy could uh, be Craig Bellamy. I, yeah, David Bellamy. Yeah, yeah. As David the producer's Bellamy. written, when Mike Parry's correcting you, you know things are bad. Yeah, that is very true. That is very true. Uh, he's back again, Mr. Parry, alongside Ian Collins. Do you know what first introduced me to the Harlem Globetrotters? Oh, do, I, do I need to know? You do need to know. Right. You'll be surprised. Mm-hmm. Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo, I want to be like you. Oh, no. <laughs> That's actually what I mean. Scooby-Doo, I want to be like you. It's close, but it's just not close enough, is it? It's really? nothing but... to do with the Harlem Globetrotters whatsoever. Exactly. What's next? It's a caller to Keith Arthur on Fisherman's Blues. Yeah. Given half the chance, we'd all be in Florida Keys tomorrow. <laughs> so why is it, and I'm speaking from Aberdeen in Scotland, where it's always freezing, why is it we're so petrified about... Glasgow warming. Oh, yeah. Very that specific. Glasgow warming. That's a very specific sort of global warming, the Glasgow warming. It's probably a euphemism. For, I'll give you a right Glasgow warming. Alan says that if we keep doing his clips. And finally, sticking with Fisherman's Blues is Nigel Botherway with a quick tip for all budding anglers. Can you tell me how to tie braid to four pound mono as I want to use braid as mainline? Thanks. That's from Paul. Quite simple, that one, Paul. Be careful, because you have to be careful with braids that they don't cut into fragile monos. What I would actually do is tie the mono to the braid, so to speak. I'd um, do like a like a half granny in your braid, thread the mono through that, do a whipping knot to that and just tease it down, and then the pressure's not on the mono. Or else the other one you can do is just a simple grinner to grinner. 
do about a three-turn grinner in one and a, and a six-turn grinner in the other, and they'll they'll come up nicely, and that'll cast off your spool well. Um, but test them before you use them. There are others, but they're a bit more complicated. I can't really do without waving my arms about. Yeah, when you say it's quite simple, Nigel, yeah. uh, I'm afraid you lost me. When the fish get scared of you just grinning at them? Yeah, he's got the right <laughs> grin. What's putting me off? I'm not getting on his hook. He keeps grinning at me. What a creepy grin. So there we are. There's uh, Clips of the Week pewter. Last week we brought you one that cre- uh, created a bit of a stir mm. featuring Jason Cundy. Let's bring you that again. The game on Talk Sport with the Times, the number one quality compact. Join the debate. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jason got in touch with me during the week. He said, Mate, that is so funny. I know, and I said, Do you remember doing it? And he said, I do. If you listen, I do it before the guy stopped speaking. I thought I could get it out before the light came on. We came back a second earlier. My fate was sealed. Oh, dear. What a so shame. Let's have it one more for the road. Bring it one more time for those you can hear. You can hear That's the director's cut. You can hear what uh, Jason meant. The game on Talk Sport with The Times. The number one quality compact. Join the debate. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a point, actually, when, yeah. you, when you hear it. He the, did the cut light. it incredibly yeah, fine, though, didn't he? It's like there. a game of sort of burpy roulette he was playing there. But thank you, Jason, for that. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Well, here he is in his new slot uh, Lovely. every Monday to allow us to preview some of the best telly of the week. Yes, a bit of a dry week this week, I think. Not a oh, massive God. amount of new programmes. Hopefully here to bring it to life mm. is uh, Brighton and Hove Albion supporting star TV columnist Mike Ward. Good afternoon, Mike. Afternoon, guys. Yeah. Uh, what about Brighton? Quick review of Brighton at the uh, weekend. Well, yeah, no great surprises. Game of two halves, but, um, you know, we, we have a little bit of work to do, I think, in, 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 mm, in yeah. certain respects. And I'm a little anxious about Ajax on Thursday. So um, and They're not playing very well. They're apparently. not playing at all well. So well, uh, A lot of injuries, is. injuries mounting up. Poor old Sonny yeah, March. Sonny March is going to be out, out for a while. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult... I mean, I think so, the Zerbis come on and say, oh, you know, we've got the pressure of Europe. And I'm thinking, mm, yeah, but you've only actually played two games in Europe. I know mm. you have to prepare for stuff, but it can't actually really... Has it really taken its toll yet? You know, it's, yeah. it's a bit early to say it's taken its toll when you just played a couple of extra fixtures and you got yourself knocked out of the, uh, you know, the other domestic trophy fairly early. Yeah. So I can't remember who that was. No, well, thank you, caller. Let's uh, <laughs> we'll move. That was Mike there, the Brighton fan. Let's move. Let's look at the telly. Um, oh yes, let's do that. MasterChef, the professionals. I've got to be honest. I'm not a big watcher of MasterChef. I know yeah. Andy does. No, I'm I know not you massive do. either. I'm... I, I, I like it. It's also very easy to write about, if I'm honest. Sometimes right. I pick shows that I can write about because you can poke fun of them. But Master of the Professionals is the one I've always thought was the most, well, not boring, but the driest one because, yeah. you know, you, you have the celebrity one and you, you have, you know, somebody who used to be got run over an EastEnders five years ago pops up or an 80s washed-up comic or something like that. Um, and nobody really, you know, loses much. These are people that are kind of putting their reputations on the line because, you know, you, you have to go back to work and if you've messed up on telly, it's slightly embarrassing. So it's got. I think it's got a bit more edge to it than usual. And they don't have John Turow in this one. John Turow sits it out and right. and goes and learns how to say. I was thinking yeah, talking yeah. about John T. Rhodes. The yeah, you know what? My, my wife always says that. She yeah. always always insists on calling him John T. Rhodes. And I said, you do know John T. Rhodes is a completely different. Yeah. But she just does it to wind me up. Isn't, now, isn't it a bit like the Great British Menu, which I do quite like? Right? Yeah, it's the same idea, isn't it? It's a sort of same idea, but the menu that Great British Menu is a funny old yeah. format. It's all done regionally and then mm. and then they have that strange cooperative thing where all the chefs when they're under pressure help each other out and I'm thinking well that's not going to work is it? How many yeah. people can you watch cooking ultimately? Oh, that's true really. Professional amateur <laughs> Well they used to do junior one don't think they've done junior one for a while Junior one but um, yeah, it's yeah. it's they've changed it a little bit. The format changed a bit during COVID because they couldn't have everyone in the studio. So one of the judges used to sit out the back oh, and, put, really? and put headphones on and watch on a monitor. Now they've kept oh, that bit. VAR. Yes, it is. It is exactly like that. Yeah. It, well, no, it's not exactly bring like that. Back, bring back Lloyd Grossman, I say. Wow. Well, okay. Yes, he'd nice. like that. All right, then. Well, if that's your thing. At 9pm BBC One tonight. <laughs> he lives fairly, in Gloss, do you Fairly know? damning. Uh, anyway, also uh, tomorrow night, 9pm BBC yeah. One, The Met. Yes. Uh, another kind of fly-on-the-wall documentary. Is this kind of hard-hitting expose or, well, it, or is, it, is it sort of PR 
piece rate. Uh, to me, it feels like a PR PR piece. But I mean, basically, obviously, the Mets come in for all sorts of stick and all sorts of internal issues, etc., which would be much publicised. But ult- and that, that is referred to at the start. And you sort of think at the start that this new series, this is series four of the Met, by the way, is going to go into that stuff more. But it doesn't. Ultimately, it's just cameras following uh, officers around doing their bit on patrol, etc., etc. But and again, you're obviously not going to see them in a bad light. It shows it shows the sort of stuff they're up against and whatever you think of everything else a decent copper going out and do his job puts himself on the line in a way his or herself on the line in a way that no yeah i certainly wouldn't be brave enough to do and there's some really quite harrowing stuff right uh, in, in, the, in the first episode alone. But there's also there's things like when they attend an incident and they go through what they know is the procedure. There's one thing at a fast food restaurant in the early hours and they handle it according to the procedure. Then you've got all these people stood around in, the, in, in this takeaway place filming them on their cameras and then having a go at them for being heavy-handed. And you think, well, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, they had to address an issue that could have been life or death. So mm. you, you, you have to keep your cool. You know, the public are, are literally shouting in your face while you're going about your job. So anyway, but it is obviously a PR exercise. It's not going to show them in a... In a devastating, damning. Well, you know, one we we'll definitely see footage of a dawn raid with them going through a door, shouting "Police, police!" We always, you <laughs> yeah. probably get one of those per episode. I think yes, a lot. The there content. is actually that comes in about ten minutes in. That <laughs> yeah. one happens. It really does. Yeah, brilliant. You. <clears throat> you have to. So that's um, yeah. nine pm tomorrow night. And yeah. Being a TV critic takes courage as well. <laughs> well, <laughs> not I wouldn't compare the two. Well, people shout at you in the street in the, the same way in fast food wear, restaurants. He has to wear a body worn camera wherever he goes because people shout at him. <laughs> Master <laughs> Chef Depress, what are you talking about, mate? Actually, with the row I got into with the bloke in front of me at the Amex a couple of weeks ago, I might have to. Wow, oh, he might no. have to start wearing it. Okay. Oh, no, it's not good with the Told fans. me to wind my neck in. Yeah, yeah rude boy. It. Yeah, you often get that when it's not going well. The te- fans set upon each other. When, yeah, they turn. They'll they turn, turn each other. Yeah. Wednesday night, 8 pm, Channel 4. It's back. Yes. Series 40. Now, this is a show that I always thought was called Location, 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 but according to Alan Brazil, yeah. it isn't. Have a listen to this, Mike. So, John is now his co-presenter of TV show Location, Location, Location. <laughs> location. <laughs> location, Location, Location. Oh, that's a spin-off. A presenter, Location. <laughs> yeah. But 40. See, and they've done all sorts of spin-offs, mm. haven't they? And lots they of... did relocation, relocate, yeah. but that was a mouthful, and I think it lasted about one series. And yeah. spin-off. But it's the same. If you look at the really, really early episodes, because they're the ever-present presenters, yeah. Kirsty Allsop and Phil Spencer, been there from the start. But it's very, it's quite po-faced to begin with, like a lot of programmes, everybody yeah. Yeah. takes a while. So if you watch it now, where it's very much kind of, they have that sort of siblings teasing one another, sort of grown yeah. up, which is either endearing or annoying, depending which way you come at it from. Um, but right at the start, it was all very, very earnest and very serious. So yeah, that's how yeah. TV evolves. I'm not a big fan is, of comedy in non-comedy programmes, but there you go. It's when you watch, um, it's when you watch an old one, you don't realise you're watching an old one. And they say, yes. well, this, this is going to set you back 350 grand. Think, right, we're moving. <laughs> then you realise it's from like 2008 yeah. or something. It's like the place in the sun. It's one that repeats yeah. of that. And you go, oh, you buy that place in Portugal for about 50 quid. Price is right as of 1954. Oh, you see it at the end, that little in italics at the end. So. Yeah. Anyway, I always find it, I've got to be honest, I always find it very watchable this, uh, mm. as a show. So. Producer, well, it's about Torquay this week. Yes, they're yeah. in Torquay. So uh, Charlie and... Uh, John Callaghan, our producer, will be very keen on this. Mm, mm. Uh, now, um, uh, maybe I'm being unfair to Channel 5 to say this is a hurried cut and paste <laughs> job. I doubt if this has been in production for a long time. Um, it's called The the Big Bed Bug Invasion. Yes, 8 o'clock um, on uh, I'm imagining mm. the same still about 8 or 10 times over the course of an hour, which they yeah. have the same bit of footage repeated and a lot of talking heads. A lot yeah. of talking heads. Is and it a, Nick Ferrari and that bloke yeah. with the big glasses? Yeah. He's on everything, that bloke. in a yeah. white coat uh, holding up a bed bug in some... Uh, in a, a pair I don't think Kate Thornton will be on this one. No, but, or, so maybe not, yeah. yeah. I, lo- I love bed bugs. Um, <laughs> when bed so, bugs go horribly wrong. Yeah, yeah. so it will basically, it's, about, it's an hour's worth of bed bugs. Bugs, How to identify them? I've got a spaniel, and apparently spaniels are very good at finding bed bugs in your oh, bed. I don't quite know what wow. they do once they found them. Um, do you let the do you let the spaniel up the spaniel in the bed then, John? John? John who's John? So I'm going mad. <laughs> I'm, I'm just. I'm, I'm, why did I say John? I've gone completely mad. I'm just I'm looking at you. Just him, talking I'm, to someone. Yeah, like, you haven't got a spaniel. No, Mike, I don't think. So do you, he's got. A, you've got a spaniel, Mike. Haven't you? I've yeah. got a spaniel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it's good bed. at and catching bed bugs. So do you? Occasionally, is the spaniel let loose in the bedroom on bed bug alert? But, but yes, yeah, normally on a Tuesday. Tuesday between yeah, 
for an hour or so. On a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's good. Okay. So, um, is the Spaniel in the show? <laughs> she's she's available oh, and yeah. it's never too late because it's good. still got 48 hours before oh, that. Well, I suspect go. they're still working on it uh, right up the 11th hour yeah. because it's on. It's an ongoing story, isn't it? The yeah. whole bed bug well, thing. Well, Are we with... meant to be scared? I, I'll be honest. I've read a lot about it. I mean, it's not very nice, but I mean, no. what's the worst that's going to happen? Do we I know? don't know. I don't oh, know. Yeah, you I mean, get bitten. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. but have you, you, have you ever had bed bugs, Andy? I haven't. No. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> have you seen people with bed bugs? No, only in the papers. It's quite popular at the moment. Oh, okay. I reckon They're my prediction is that five, six weeks from now, we'll all sit around and go. Whatever happened to that bed bug story that yeah. everyone's banging on? Whatever about, happened right? to bed bugs? Arthur <laughs> Smith. Yeah. Yeah, go on with that one. Anyway, mm-hmm. and finally, and finally. Uh, celebrity r- uh, race across oh, the world. I haven't watched this, but everybody's been talking it up. It is the final. It's the final stage of this uh, celebrity version. There's three, as I, said, I think I said before, the three original series that are up on the iPlayer you can watch. This is the celebrity version. So it's six episodes. It's the final leg, which is still two thousand miles that they've got to cover. Mm. So it starts off with them at their checkpoint, ironically in Berlin, and then they're going to Tromso, which is uh, the so-called gateway to the Arctic. But they have to travel two thousand miles to get there, and it's blooming cold. Um, Chelsea once played against Tromso. Okay. The famous game in the snow. Viali scored the winner 3-2, Fantastic. I think it was. That's, that is a hell of a sidebar, isn't it? Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Anyway, so there period. you go. And, and, yeah. um, uh, there's a bit of... Uh, I can't give too much away, but there is a, a bit of a dramatic twist before Ooh. this final leg gets underway. Okay. I shall say no more than that, otherwise... I, I do like uh, Billy Munger and his sister. She's a, she's yeah. a great kid. A and they're in pole position. I think they're, they are, to me, the, the story... That you know, as a, as a viewer, that kind of feels more relatable because they're siblings. All the others are, are, are sort of pe- parents and yeah. you know, and, and child, as it were. But yeah, I think they've all come out of it pretty well. They have, yeah. yeah. But, but um, yeah, very aware of the fact that every show we've recommended is on while there is football on. Oh yeah. So true. for the talk sport audio, I mean, a lot of recording might be going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Well, well, yeah. Or if you're three 0 down, People why not switch shift, off yeah. and watch yeah. something else instead? Make <laughs> no, yourself feel better. I, yeah, I do that all the yeah. time. To be honest. Brilliant, Mike. Thank you. Look, um, we will catch up with you next Monday. Have a good week. Cheers, guys. There we are. This Mike Ward from uh, the Daily Star with a week uh, week's worth of uh, non-sporting telly. Lovely. It is Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs here on TalkSport. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Well, there we are. That's how it all unfolded today. Uh, I reconvene tomorrow with Perry Groves, Charlie's yeah, uh, way, okay. uh, Tuesday and Thursday. See you so, on Wednesday. Yeah, I'll see you on Wednesday. Uh, plenty to get stuck into for myself and Perry. Richard Hammond of TV fame will be joining us, amongst other people, uh, tomorrow. So do you hope you can join us, building up to all the games in Europe Um, But for now, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 